I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service. Recently, Idaho County Judge Richard Cortez convened a panel of local experts in Idaho County to launch a prosperity task force with a goal of building community assets and attracting more outside investment. Here's Idaho County Judge Richard Cortez. Thank you so much for volunteering to help in this extremely important endeavor. What you do matters, and how you do it even matters more. And to have the commitment of so many talented, experienced people in tackling this very complex issue of poverty is really exciting for us. And in a way, if you start thinking of what we're doing here today together, is we're demonstrating that we're building community assets. And those community assets are going to help us attract outside investments because if you wanted to form a business or you wanted to go somewhere or you wanted to raise a family or do anything, is an environment important? Is in where you're going to place the seed important? I want the whole people around us to know that we are a community. If you come here, we're a community that cares. We're a community that's not going to ignore you and push you down when you're down. We're going to lift you up when you're down. And we're here to help other people. And I believe that that type of attitude is going to help us uh, bring in that outside investment and help those that are among us today that are less fortunate. So for the, for the purpose of kind of refreshing everybody's mind as to why uh, the Prosperity Task Force allowed me just a little bit to kind of retract and go back as to the why. Well, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, they report that our poverty rate is 29%. We think they're wrong. We think that amount is, is really too low. And we rely on evidence, not subjective belief, to tell us that we're more likely right than wrong. What is that evidence? 33% of our people are receiving public assistance. 46% of the people that are already working in Hidalgo County are earning low wages, below poverty. Only 32% of our people that live in Hidalgo County have access to health insurance. Another alarming statistic is according to reports by COSTAP, 8.89% of all boys and girls between the ages of 16 and 19 are classified as disconnected, meaning that they're neither working nor going to school. So what is the next natural progression of that group of people, which is almost 9%? They're going to have babies, okay? So the cycle of poverty continues. Another report and evidence to show us is according to the workforce, 37% of our children are food insecure. That number was 2020. In 2018, it was 27%. It's pretty alarming when you go from 27 to 37 in two years. If you speak to school superintendents, they'll tell you, judge, what do you mean 29% or 40%? 
70 to 80 percent, and we have Dr. King here, you, you can verify that or not, you either shake your head or go like this. 75 to 80 percent of our children qualify for free meals or, or reduced meals. So that is also an indication that that 29 percent is really possibly a very too low. So many of our people aren't able to afford really basic necessities, which result in homelessness, hunger, they have health issues, and sometimes, unfortunately, even revert to crime. So research shows that when a community has policies and, in and investments to help those in poverty, it not only helps those that are need in need, but it helps government and ultimately the taxpayer, which by definition, if we are successful in, in our endeavor, that's gonna give us some good results. So ensuring the availability of the jobs for our people that will economically support a household is extremely important. So that's the why. Let's get to the, to the how. I think our goals, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go back to our goals real quick. Our goals are, basic, are, are, are very simple. We want to make sure that we're going to service those people in poverty as best as we can. And what we found out, and we have Jaime, Jaime Logota here. Jaime, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, he administers a lot of our federal grants, you know, uh, directed directed to, to the poor or to those in need. Uh, we sometimes don't have the capacity to, to serve so many calls. Uh, if, if we have a, a, a staff of 30 and they're busy every day, and then you add another layer or another layer of work to that staff, I mean, you have a capacity issue. So it was very important for us to build a team of partners, partners with our school districts, partners with our cities, to be able to to be able to communicate efficiently and effectively all of the resources that are available to make sure that nobody went underserved. We never, never want to return any money back because our need is so great, we cannot do that. But who's responsible for that? Well, we all have to be responsible. This is our community. We can't just point a finger at somebody else and then you do it. We have the responsibility to do that. So our first goal is to make sure that all of the assets that are available to assist those in need are given to the people in need. The second part of our task is that's just addressing the pain, okay? We want to eliminate the pain. We want to eliminate the cause of what's happening. So we want to be able to remove as many people as we can that are in poverty, out of poverty. This is the great, this is the best result. Lastly, in order for us to do that, we know one thing for sure, and I always bring my, my iPhone out. Who would ever think 10 years ago that you could have something in your hand that does all the things that, that are done, that you can do here in this, on this phone? So technology, automation and robotics are going to change the jobs of today. The jobs of tomorrow are not gonna to be the jobs of today. 
So we have to be very careful as we go forward that we don't get behind what is inevitable. Let us make sure that we are able to attract the jobs of not only today, but the jobs of tomorrow to help as many people as we can. So go on to the next slide. We have to start somewhere. So where do you start with this very complex issue of fighting poverty? Because we have children, we have middle-aged people, we have young, young adults, we have adults, we have older citizens. So we have a very diverse group of people that fall, that fall, within, fall within this category. So what we said, and an accountant started, uh, and I want to be looking at you as the experts to make the necessary changes that need to be made, but we have to have a starting point. And I tried to use just logical thinking as to how we would approach this task. So I said, well, the first thing is we have to identify the population that we're talking about. We have to identify them and be able to reach those people efficiently and effectively. So the administrative group, and Frank, you're here, the administrative group, hopefully, which is one of the subgroups, is going to help us with those databases, help us with the administrative side of what we do. Each subgroup, obviously, uh, needs to have support in some ways. We're, we're hoping that our, our uh, administrative group or subgroup will help us with, uh, with, that, with those types of situations because we cannot help all the people that are in poverty, but we can help some, okay? So tell me, how do we select the ones to, to help? Quick, okay. <laughs> so obviously, that's step one. Step one is who's the population that we're trying to help? Step two is how many of that population can we move out? So if I go to Rudy Ramirez, who's who's managing a, a housing authority. I said, Rudy, who do you know there that are residents of yours that you think will have, have, if we give them an opportunity to get additional training or additional education, who do you think will come out? He said, Judge, I've got three families. I've got three families that all they need is that opportunity, but there are some obstacles that we have to overcome. Let me send them to you, okay? So we've got a lead now. So what's the next step? What do we do now? <laughs> okay, it's kind of like the dog chasing the car and the car stops, now what, okay? Well, we said we need to have some vocational counselor to sit down with those individuals and try to figure out on a professional basis what are they more uh, equipped to be able to handle because we want to have a high successful rate we want to be able to choose the right course of action to have a high, a high probability of success. But immediately, immediately, let's assign a mentor. So we have a subgroup called counseling, then we have a subgroup called mentoring. Why is a mentor important? Here you have a person that's struggling, probably does not have a lot of education, and you're gonna ask this person to start making decisions. Would it be nice for that person to have somebody next to them, like a father or a mother or somebody that most children have, 
to help them make these difficult decisions so that what? We give ourselves the highest probability of success. And if you have a mentor that if you're going to go into plumbing, let's say, you want to be a plumber, and you have a plumber, somebody has been there for 20 or 30 years, wouldn't you like to have that advice? Wouldn't you like to have that person next to you to say, hey, how do I become like you? How, how can I get to be in that situation? So mentoring and counseling then go together. So now we figured out this person should, should seek a vocational uh, career or journey path. Where do we send them? What, what school, what vocational school, or, or whatever area? So we have this subgroup called, you know, our vocational uh, subgroup, which is basically designed to come up with a menu of, of vocations and occupations that meet the criteria that we need to have and identify those uh, suppliers or those, or those providers of those services, including higher learning. So we have to have a second group of, of higher learning, which is another subgroup to say, hey, wait a minute, uh, this young person or this young woman, uh, I had an aunt that uh, she raised, I think, she had a lot of kids. I think there were seven kids, and after the, the last one you know, got to high school, she went to college herself and became a college graduate. So it's really never too late to do that. So higher learning was another. So now we finally figured out vocational higher learning. Now what? Well, guess what? We have many obstacles. The first one is money. The first one is money. Because what if you have a mortgage? What if you have children? What if you have transportation problems? You have all of the, the attributes of being successful but you have these obstacles. Well, we have to find a way to remove those obstacles in order for them to be able to pursue the thing. So here's where the financial people come in and says, okay, how many of the resources that were available over here, back over here, that we can apply to help you on your journey path? And then what's missing? Because what's missing is what I and others need to advocate for us. What is missing in resources? It's a typical uh, you know, strategic plan. You apply your resources to remove the obstacles to accomplish your goal. So we're finally through this process and we get a group of people like Vida, and I see Felila uh, here uh, has done for years and years and years, we've got him to graduate. We've got them to have this special skill that, that brought them from a low income to a higher income. They must have a job. So we have the subgroup of the job creation subgroup. That's going to be very important. We have economic development people here, and we're a county of 22 cities. And, you know, we have this Friday night mentality sometimes, you know, we're better than others or we're better than this or whatever. So we kind of work together, but nah, sometimes we don't. Well, we really need to work together because I don't think anybody cares where the job is as long as there's a job in Hidalgo County. It doesn't matter what city it is as long as there's a job in Hidalgo County. So, so we have to have a strategy how to bring those jobs here. And there's all already best practices out there. We don't have to invent the wheel. If the wheel's been invented, let's just go find out, let's get the design of how to invent the wheel and invent the wheel ourselves, 
okay, we, we looked at a couple of areas, Dallas and the Fort Worth area, they're recruiting a lot of small to medium-sized companies. A lot of small to medium-sized companies. The next thing that we need to do is to be able to create more capacity here already. So we have a company that's hiring 50 people. How do we help that company hire 100 people? So let's build capacity here already, and then let's find out what others we need, we need to bring. As a technician and someone that I don't have the luxury of making mistakes in the, in the work that I do because I always have another expert or a lawyer checking everything I do. So I found out very quick in my professional career what the meaning of a fact is. A fact is a known truth. Okay? You can't argue <laughs> with a known truth. So the best way to move forward is to let science help you make decisions because you're going to be making better decisions because they're based on better, better facts. So one of the things that we looked at because subjectively, subjectively said, look, I want to go to the low-lying fruit first. Why do I want to go to the low-lying fruit first? because I want to show success. Who follows a, a losing team? <laughs> okay, everybody follows a winner. As a banker, I can tell you, if you have a history of failing in business, we're not gonna lend you any money. We're not gonna lend you any money. But if you have a successful history of making money and knowing how to run your business, how much money do you want? How much money do you need? Same thing with us. We're going to need resources to increase capacity. If Vida already is, is having this success with the limited funds that they have, we know that we can increase capacity by giving them more funds. But where do we get them? Where do we get them? Well, we have to show success. We have to show success to the people that have these funds to know that they're going to invest it with the right group. They're going to invest it with the right group. So why is this important here? Go on to the next, to the next thing. What we found out, one more time, what we found out, and I'll give you round numbers. There's 500,000 people, it's 499 or something, but say 500,000 people working in Hidalgo County. Okay. About 122,000 of them that are working are earning below poverty level. They're working, but they're still in poverty. So getting them a job in itself is not the answer. It's getting them what job is the answer. So who makes up, who makes up this profile of people that are working, but still earning below poverty? 49% had less in high school. Okay, predictably, you know, that kind of makes maybe some sense. But 26% had a high school. So moving you from no high school to high school doesn't necessarily get you where you want to be, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what the facts show. 90% have college. Some college doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to earn above poverty. 
and here's the most shocking statistic. 6% have a, a college degree and are still making the low poverty level. So as you can see, what we're about to, this journey we're about to take is a complicated journey. But there is, there is an answer. And the answer, ladies and gentlemen, is out there with you. It's, it's out there with you. If we put all of our heads together, put all of our knowledge and skills together, we can figure this out. We can figure this out. And to me, it's extremely exciting to see all of you that are so successful in your own fields, willing and wanting to do this because it's going to bring great rewards. Today, it is our hope that we leave here with a very clear understanding of what we're looking for each subgroup to do. You've already, you want to go back to the subgroups, uh, Carlos? Uh, the, the services to residents really has maybe four subgroups to that subgroup, okay? Because this is basically servicing the people that we have. The rest of the subgroups are to move people in poverty out of poverty. And then the last of the subgroups, which to me is going to be, uh, Rodell, extremely important, is, is how do we increase capacity and bring the employers that ultimately at the end of the day are going to hire, hire our people. So with that, I want to pass it on to Jose Cruz, who's going to help us get all of, all of us here together and have a very, a very defined, direct approach to completing this journey. And I thank you all for being here. And I hope this explanation helps you as to why the importance of us being here and the importance of us completing our task is to our community. Thank you. This is one of a series of podcasts about the Hidalgo County Prosperity Task Force. I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service.